We'll be sticking in Matthew this fall until we get to Advent in November. Somebody asked me, when are we going to finish up Matthew? And I think my best response was when we finish up Matthew. Um, No, I'm really, this morning's passage is just beautiful as we find ourselves in Matthew 13. um, Looking at these parables, these kingdom parables that God has given to us as Jesus Christ taught his disciples. Look with me, we're going to look at Matthew 13, 31 to 35, and Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 52. And if those of you got a pew Bible, look on uh, page 819, and that's where we'll be reading from. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he is, in, is encouraging them, and he's saying these things in parables. He's saying them into parables so that others won't hear them nor understand them, but it's for the disciples. This message is for his children. It's for his people. And I believe with all of my heart, this is a message of encouragement, which I love how God works that out. I think some of us, maybe this morning, could use a message of encouragement. And maybe this morning's service and what Jesus says to the disciples encourages your heart as well. Look with me here, starting in verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, and so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good container into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his house treasure what is new and what is old. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you for these stories that will be ingrained in our minds, hopefully, today, as we think about mustard seeds and leaven and and nets and treasure. These things, these images that we know well of, Lord God, and I pray that we've begun to understand the meaning behind these parables and why, why Jesus spoke them to his disciples and why they have powerful meaning to us today. Lord God, challenge our faith today. Encourage our hearts. Grow our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
First off, this morning, I, I really want to thank, I met a few visitors that are here with us and, and coming to Chelan. They purposely came from Chelan during this time, and I just want to thank you um, for coming and supporting our community, um, even though it's a little bit smoky and not a lot of fun to play on the lake right now because of all the smoke. And It was fun? Okay, still fun. Good. Did you wear a mask or no? No masks? Okay, good. All right. But uh, we really appreciate everyone coming and supporting our community, being with us here this morning, and, and hopefully this message is of encouragement to you as well. This is a very timely passage of Scripture for us to study in two different ways. The first is it's a good realization for Christians and a good reminder for us children of God that this isn't home. Home is eternity with God. And we have that to look forward to. And it is second timely in that fact that since we are children of the eternal kingdom, we can be a people of hope in these days. And we can be a people of encouragement. And we can provide loving support to our neighbors, to our friends. And we can offer the hope of the kingdom of heaven. These are encouraging times in which the disciples are hearing what, or trying to understand what Jesus has said. We've, we've had two parables spoken by Jesus in, in 13 that needed explanation where the disciples specifically came back and said, hey, we need help in understanding this. And these particular parables that are spoken here, the disciples don't ask for a translation. They don't ask for Jesus to help them out in understanding So here we are in verse 31. He says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Now, how many of y'all and your like spice racks at home and have have mustard seeds? And y'all got some mustard seeds? There's some of those things that if you spill on the counter, they're going to go right everywhere and roll all over the place. And for the next month when you're cleaning and vacuuming, sweeping things up, you're going to discover little mustard seeds, right? Because they're small. You don't see them all over the place. And when Jesus is comparing mustard seeds to other garden seeds, in comparison to watermelon, in comparison to carrots, in comparison to other, these other seeds, the mustard seed's a pretty small seed that grows into something substantial, substantial enough that it's a bush or a tree that, that animals can come to rest in and find shelter in. Jesus is making this comparison of something small that grows to be something big. And he also does the same thing and his objective with understanding this idea of leaven. Now, now, how many of y'all you know, put yeast and stuff when you're making your homemade bread? A few folks, okay. Just a little bit. Does it take a lot? See, I made the mistake of that once. You only make that mistake once, okay? I remember my mom, and she, we were little kids on the farm. Mom would have her Tupperware bowl, and it was a Tupperware bowl, not a plastic bowl. It was a Tupperware bowl, okay? Because that was the only official plastic bowl. And she would make her bread, and she put it in there. She put the lid on it, and, and mom would have that lid tightly around it. She put it by the fire, and, and it would start rising, right? And all of a sudden, you'd hear a pop as that lid starts to pop off, and the dough is now rising out. And it was just in the wonderful smells as mom's cooking homemade bread. Well, this lady, whom Jesus is referencing here in this parable, she pulls out three measures of flour. Now, in today's understanding, this is a measurement, okay? And so that measurement would have been enough to feed a hundred people. So a substantial amount of flour. She is pulling out this substantial amount of flour. And she is going to put this and form this and shape this and bake it. And she just puts a little bit of leaven in it. Just a little bit of yeast in there, right? And it I'm trying to avoid the word infect, but it does infect. It impacts all of that flour and causes all of that to be leavened and rise and grow. 
Now, for most of us, you know, we've read the Old Testament, we've understand yeast. Most of us have a very negative understanding of yeast because it's often equated with sin in the Old Testament. But Jesus is using something that is often used for negative to be positive here. As he's equating both of these parables to say, it only takes a little bit, a little mustard seed to grow. It only takes a little bit of yeast and this flour to cause it to, be, to grow and become edible for all these to eat and to feed many. Think about Jesus planning to go to the cross, dying upon the cross and rising again in three days and ascending into heaven. He's going to leave behind 12 guys. Now, these guys are rock stars, right? They're known in high levels of government, and they're, they're no, no. You got a fisherman, a couple of fishermen in there. You got a tax collector. Didn't have the highest opinion of them back in the day. You got this zealot, this, this zealot guy who probably sharpens his sword every time he sits down with Jesus. A bunch of just weirdo guys that Jesus has called out to be his disciples. And he, insignificant crew, right? Insignificant mustard seed, insignificant amount of yeast. But incredible, powerful, amazing things are going to be accomplished through those 12 men by the power of God. God is going to take something small. Jesus coming, one man. Through one man, sin entered the world. Through one man, righteousness enters into the world. And Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to teach and he's going to train up and he's going to talk to these men and they're going to go out and they're going to continue talking and preaching and teaching and telling and all of a sudden the world is going to explode and the gospel of Jesus Christ, boom, and the kingdom of heaven is going to blow up. It's going to grow. It's going to be massive. And it's exciting. Jesus is saying here, listen, from where you're standing right now, from your vantage point, you may be a little discouraged. The Pharisees and the scribes have already started coming out of the woodwork and, and getting after Jesus and arguing with him. And maybe the disciples are going, oh man, this is going to be a rough road to follow this guy. Maybe they're starting to get a glimpse of what it is to, to follow Christ and the sacrifices that have to be made. And they may be a little discouraged. But what I find interesting is this. In a little bit, we've, we've heard them say, yes, they understand these things. But I don't think they really grasped it until Jesus ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit came down and began reigning and ruling in their hearts and lives. And they began to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then I think, because we find out in John chapters 14 and 15, that the Holy Spirit, the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to remind the disciples, to remind the believers of Jesus Christ of his words. And as they're outliving this, and they're facing trials and tribulations, and maybe they're feeling very insignificant, they're feeling very much, you know what, God, I'm just a fisherman, or I'm just this person, or I'm just that person. How can, and Jesus said, guess what? With a mustard seed, this takes place, and people find shelter. With a little bit of yeast, this takes place. God can work through and use you. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you ever felt a little insignificant in your life when it comes to God's work? A few folks. Okay, Good. Let this be of encouragement to you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God working in you, God's kingdom work can be done through you, sometimes in spite of us, right? God works, and God is at power. God's power and might is able to cause the kingdom of heaven to explode. How encouraging for the young disciples, young in their faith, young in understanding who he is, to understand that God's kingdom work may start out like this, but it's going to blossom and it's going to grow. When Christy and I went out on Friday night, to uh, local myth, we had a little pizza, a little date time. We were supposed to just quickly grab some pizza and leave. 
Well, it was like the hospital left and just came down to local myth, and so all of Christie's buddies were sitting around there all talking shop, right? Medical stuff. And so I'm sitting there looking at Facebook on my phone. Well, anyways, <laughs> Christy elbows me, and I'm, you know, what? what's going on? And she goes, hey, I need you to look at these pictures. So Christy, the pharmacist at the hospital, she's, been take, she's a photographer. She's been taking pictures of what's been going on in our valley. Amazing pictures. She took this picture, and I couldn't help but think of... What this chapter is talking about and what we are facing is a valley right now. In times of darkness, times of trial. But there's this, there's this understanding of who we are and that God's kingdom work will prevail. And that we have this silver lining. We have this understanding that God will return. And God is reigning in our hearts and our lives right now. And we as his kingdom people need to speak of the hope that we have. Next, Jesus goes on to tell them that, you know, I'm going to continue to speak in parables. And, and this is the reason why. So that what has been hidden, this understanding of the true kingdom, what has been hidden since the beginning of the foundation of the world, I'm going to reveal in these parables to you. And I want you to understand them and remember them. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about storytelling and the importance of storytelling. It's a lost art. But some of the greatest teachers we have in our school system, the greatest pastors, are able to take stories and get their point across through story. Because you remember a story, don't you? Imagery. Jesus is sitting here talking about mustard seeds. Now, you may not remember anything I say this morning, but you may have an imagery of little mustard seeds bouncing across the, the counter, right? Why was he talking about mustard seeds? Oh, or yeast, you know, you open up a package of yeast, and you're like, oh, I remember. You know, God uses the little things, the things that we're used to seeing in life, to drive home important points. And the first being that, guess what? God's kingdom is going to grow, and it's going to expand. And then he's going to come again, and his kingdom will be over the whole earth. And there'll be none to stand in his way. Hopefully those are words of encouragement to you this morning. Next we see here in Matthew 13, 44 to 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, imagine this. A guy's just walking along, maybe, maybe a field that his, his neighbor owns or maybe that's for sale, or he's just out walking along and walking his dog or whatever, just having a nice evening stroll, right? And he looks down, and there is what we've always dreamed of as children who's watched too many Goonies too many times, is, is, is a big hole in the ground, and in this hole, bam, treasure chest. And there's rubies and pearls and diamonds. And he's going, whoo! And he, he does what any rest of us would do. We're going to cover it up. We don't want anybody else to find this. It's ours, right? And then he's going to go find it, you know, to the local bank or whatever. He says, how much is that field worth? And he paid. He goes, okay, that's going to take everything I have. But it's worth it. I'm going to go sell everything I've got. I'm going to get rid of my house, my car, everything. I'm going to sell it all. And I'm going to go buy that field. Because what's in that field far surpasses anything I could ever purchase. Anything I could ever have. Just stumbles on it. The next one here is this guy who, who's out searching for a pearl. Okay? And he's, he's looking. He is searching for the pearls. And he comes across this pearl that is better than any other pearl he sees. Now, it may be the purest pearl. It may be the biggest pearl. Whatever it is, this pearl is, is gorgeous. It's in such great value that he knows this pearl is worth far more than he, no other pearl he could ever find could ever match its beauty, its splendor, its size, 
And so he's going to go sell everything he has. And he does. He sells everything he has. Now, some of the women in the room might be going, yeah, I, my husband's tried to do this once or twice. He's, he's come home and told me I found the greatest treasure. But, you know, this guy really finds it, right? And he sells everything he has, and he purchases this pearl, and he has this treasure that is beyond anything he could ever have, anything he could ever earn. And, and Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, guys, the kingdom of heaven is the greatest treasure that you can ever have, being part of God's family, being part of God's kingdom forever and ever. There's nothing that compares to it. So go be all in. Go give it your all. Go give nothing else you do in this world will ever compare to God's kingdom work, ever. It is the most beautiful, most treasured, most powerful thing. It all winds down to being part of God's family, God's plan. This morning, I don't know where you're at and, and, and your view of your salvation and view of your understanding of God, but brothers and sisters, that's way up here. That, that we got to be called to be part of God's family. Now, what's beautiful about this passage is Jesus deals with two types of individuals. He deals, the first type of individual he deals with is a guy who just stumbles upon it. And we've met people like that, not out there searching, not out there trying to find out who God is. They just run across something happens in their life and Jesus reveals to them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they become a part of God's family. And they're excited to become a part of God's family. And most of us did. We started off on our journey with God, excited, amped up, wow, selling everything. I'm all in for God. But, you know, the evil one comes in and the world comes in and our own flesh comes into the mix. And pretty soon it just, that excitement dwindles. And he wants his disciples to have that kind of excitement that nothing else compares to being part of the family of God. Nothing. And that we're to be all in for God. Sold out. That everything we have, every possession, every dollar, every job, all of it, all of it it's God's. And then we look through the lens of God and that they're gifts from him. And anytime he says, I want them back, or anytime he says, you know, I'm going to move you in a new direction because I've got a better plan for you. Our attitude as children of God should be, praise God, I'm part of the family of God and he's got a plan and he's moving me and he's shaping me. He's calling me not to feel sorry for ourselves, but to be excited that God's got a purpose and plan for us. We need to be, we need to be like these two gentlemen, this other guy, he's in search of it. He's asking questions. He, he's, he's looking for it. He's traveling. He's trying to find out. He's trying to discover. God says, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is for both. It's for the person who's not looking, and it's for the person who is searching. The kingdom of heaven is for both. And what's beautiful about the first two parables that we looked at, the mustard seed and leaven, he uses the man and the woman both. Both will be used powerfully for the spread of the kingdom of heaven. Now, back in the day, in Jesus' day, to say women are going to be used by God, used by a kingdom to, be, to spread a kingdom? Back in that day, the only thing they thought of women was women brought down kingdoms, not expanded them. But Jesus is saying, no way. In my kingdom, I'm going to use men and women alike to expand my kingdom. How exciting that is. And he's saying here, those that are searching, those that aren't searching, will be part of the kingdom of heaven. And that may be for you, for some of your friends who don't want anything to do with God. Who are just distant from God and saying, you know what, I'm not searching. I don't want to know anything about God. I'm just enjoying living my life. Don't give up. Don't stop praying for them. For the kingdom of heaven is for them as well.
exciting stuff. I'm telling you what, I'm encouraged. I'm just, I'm having fun this morning. It's good to be back. Next thing we read about is this, this kingdom of heaven is like a net. Now, now some of you may have gone, gone through and said, yeah, I got that, I got that. I see where you're coming from. But this net thing, this is kind of weird. The kingdom of heaven is like somebody throwing a net into the sea. Good fisherman analogy. Several fishermen that Jesus is dealing with in his own core group there. And they, they, their net they throw into the sea is so filled with, with different kinds of fish. And that's, don't miss that. Various kinds of fishes are filling that net. And, and they're brought to the shore. And, and they're brought to the shore. And there are all these fish that are caught up in this net. And, and some are good fish. Okay? And some are bad fish. And, and he's sorting them out. Right? But what the beautiful thing about this passage is, is the kingdom of heaven is not just for Americans. The kingdom of heaven is not just for Europeans, Asians. It's not for Africa, just for Africans. It's not just for Australians. It's not just for New Zealanders. Thanks those folks also for coming out and helping us out with these fires. You know, it's not just for them. The kingdom of heaven is for the world. Man, that's exciting stuff. There's these various kinds of fishes. Now understand, though, there's the cold, hard reality that there are fish that will be cast aside because they are not part of the kingdom of heaven. As exciting and, and wonderful as this passage is, and hopefully encouraging you this morning, hopefully there's a splash of cold reality that, yes, we can be excited because of the promises available to us. We have brothers and sisters, family members, neighbors who are not yet part of the kingdom of heaven. The cold, hard reality is this, and we believe it as elders in this church, and we can talk about it later and arm wrestle it over later, but I believe the scriptures teach it. It's that there is a very real eternal hell, an eternal separation, fiery hell, that those who do not trust in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins will go to. But we have hope. And who Christ is. We as his children have the opportunity to share of this hope. And we do not want our family and friends and neighbors and co-workers to go to hell. And so we need to be a people who speak of the kingdom of heaven. And so what does Jesus say next to him? There's going to be this diversity in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says to them, have you understood all these things? Now guys, sometimes when we're talking with our wives in the car driving down the road, and our wife says, did you hear me? And we go, yeah, we heard you, right? And then they, five minutes later, they start talking about the same subject again. Like, when did you talk to me about that? Just like five minutes ago. That's not this kind of understanding, okay? What Jesus is going after here as far as understanding is, is when the disciples understand something, it should change their hearts. It should change their actions. It should change their lives. You see, when you understand the word of God, it changes you. When, when you get into the word and you're wrestling with it and you're trying to grasp it, it changes your heart. It changes who you are. And Jesus is saying, have you understood these things? Have these things. Have the understanding that you're part of the kingdom of God. And, and God has incredible value in this kingdom. And that you've been given a great treasure. And you're part of something that is growing and is expanding. And is God is going to work through you. And do, do you understand it? Do you grasp the fact that the kingdom is going to be diverse? He said to him, yes. Now, I don't think at this time the disciples had a complete understanding of it, just like you and I don't have a complete understanding of it yet. But hopefully as we continue to return to this passage and study it and apply it to our hearts and lives, 
this truth will grow in us and we'll keep resounding yes, yes, and yes, louder and louder. And he said to them, well, if you understand this, and this is the if, this morning, if you are beginning to grasp these things, if you're beginning to take hold of these truths in your heart and your life, and you're going, man, I'm grasping them. I'm getting excited. I'm encouraged this morning. Then Jesus says, then this is the result. He says right here, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure what is old and what is new and what is old. And so when he speaks of a master of his house, he's talking about a guy who owns a huge house, lots of land. He's got the mansion. He's got the guest house. He's got the, the, the quarters over here for, for the butler and everybody else, right? Big old layout. The master of the house. And the master of the house is wealthy. He's wealthy beyond any compare. And the master goes into his treasure room because he's got a nice sweet treasure room, right? Probably down 20 flights of stairs. And he opens up the treasure room. And he's, in this treasure room, he's got pieces that are ancient, that are old. And, and, and he's got pieces that are, that are brand new, just handcrafted him for, you know, a, a new locket or, or a new watch or just, just newly made. The new stuff and the old stuff, both priceless. And, and he brings them out. He is so willing. Somebody comes to his door, and he doesn't matter say who comes to the door. It doesn't say another rich person and a poor person. doesn't matter. But somebody comes to his door, and he brings out the very best that he has, both old and new, and he shares this treasure with them. The understanding, then, to us is that if we grasp what Jesus is saying about the kingdom, the kingdom is here. And when I say the kingdom is here, I mean it this way. That Jesus Christ is reigning in the hearts and lives of his children. And that we have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And that when we sing songs like the church is the hope, like build your kingdom here, we're going to sing a little bit. It means that for the world, they know Jesus has come because we are out there demonstrating that Christ is reigning in our hearts and lives. We're out there showing the king has come. That's how the world knows, and that's how Christ is reigning. And someday we look forward to the eternal kingdom when Christ himself will physically, visibly return and establish his kingdom forever. Can't wait for that day. Tomorrow would be good. Tonight would be even better. Okay? You know, and we look at this, and he's saying, if you understand the kingdom, and you understand these things, then you're going to share the treasures from the word of God, both the Old Testament and how the Old Testament was pointing towards the coming of the king. The Old Testament demonstrated that no man-made kingdom will ever last. Only the eternal kingdom of God will last. And it leads us to the new, to Jesus Christ coming and establishing his kingdom and coming and talking to his disciples and the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. We those who understand, those who understand the power and the amazingness of the kingdom and how we are part of it will be quick to bear witness and testify concerning the treasure of the word of God. We are wealthy beyond compare because we have the word of God. I don't care what your checking account balance says this morning. That doesn't describe you wealth. That's the world's wealth. God's wealth is right here. The greatest treasure we can ever have is the word of God. And Jesus is telling them, listen, if you understand these things, you're going to be bringing out those treasures. You're going to be bringing out the word of God and you're going to be sharing this kingdom talk. You're going to be talking about how the king has come. And you're going to be talking about what it is to be part of God's kingdom. And you're going to get to share it with other people.
And in days like we have today, I, I believe we begin with no greater opportunity than in days like today to share. Because if you look in the history of the world, when does the kingdom grow the fastest? In times of adversity. You see, when things are going great and everybody's fine, they really don't need God. But when things are hard, it is an incredible opportunity to lovingly come along and be compassionate and be loving to our neighbors, to our friends, to help them out, to support them, and to speak the love of Jesus Christ into their lives. That they de- they, We're going to mourn with them. We're going to cry with them. But the loss of things should not devastate. Because when our hope is in the eternal treasure of the kingdom of God, we can speak of God's love and God's hope into our lives. And we need to do it lovingly. We need to do it compassionately. And folks, to do it lovingly and compassionately means we have a relationship with them. We get to know our neighbors. We get to know our friends, our coworkers, so that we can have the opportunity to share the, this kingdom message with them. It's exciting. These days... Our hearts break for what's going on and the loss of things. But brothers and sisters, we have to be a people of hope. And that doesn't seem we walk around like, oh, everything's fine. Oh, your house burned down. Oh, it stinks. No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we we come alongside, but when when our neighbor goes, I don't know how I'm going to wake up tomorrow. That we engage that conversation. Do not walk away from it. Because we have the answer to how somebody can wake up tomorrow. And as somebody who served in the military and dealt with suicidal soldiers, and, and, and you cannot walk away from that message. You cannot walk away. We have to be, because the community is going to be grieving, the community is going to be needing love and support, and we have the truth of Jesus Christ in us. We have the truth of the kingdom. For us, we go, God, and folks, this was God's work. He's in control of the rain. He's in control of the light. He's in control of the wind. So come to terms with that. Come to terms with it. But God is good. And God says, I'm going to take this, I'm going to use it for my glory and for my kingdom work so that the word of God would be spread and the gospel of Jesus Christ would be spoken and people's hearts and lives would be changed because the most important thing to God is the souls of his people. That's above everything else. Changed hearts, changed lives. And that's a hard message and that's something that you may want to recoil with me right now on. And you're like, ah, I'm turning this guy off right now. Jesus loves us so much. He's willing to blacken hills to get a hold of hearts and lives. He's willing to destroy homes. But he is jealous for our hearts. He is jealous for our souls. And he is pursuing. And we need to be a people that doesn't feel like we need to give excuses for God. We need to be a people that seeks of God's hope in these moments of crisis. It's a hard message, and I know. And you're wondering how you can do it. 
God tells us that in the times that we're supposed to bear witness and testify, that the Holy Spirit will speak on our behalf. We rely upon God's word. But in order for us to share the truth, we need to be in the word. I found myself last night lying in bed confessing to God that I have not been in the word enough lately. We've been extremely busy as a family and you know, it's crazy. It's the first thing to go is your time with God and your devotions. And sure enough, I've been struggling with it. But if I want to be ready and able to speak God's kingdom message, this message of hope to my community, I've got to be in the word of God. Period. And so do you. So that we may be ready when the opportunity comes to bring forth the treasure. The hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you for your love. You're not a God of chance. You're sovereign and you're holy and your plan is perfect. Your plan is just. And Lord God, may we be a people who desire to speak of your incredible kingdom work and the the possibilities that can come out because of this very hard and difficult time. I thank you, Lord, so much for those that are visiting with us this morning and are are coming and pouring into our valley during a tough time. And, And being examples, they're living examples for us right now of what it is to be God's kingdom people reflecting the love of Christ as they left their homes, which probably wasn't smoky, to a place that was to be a blessing here. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for those of us who live here, Lord, it's going to be some hard days of dealing with the smoke and then of the headaches and hard breathing. But Lord, may we understand that we are your kingdom people. And we're called to be about your work. And we would understand that these days are possibilities for for souls to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us so much, Father, by sending your Son, Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. May our actions, may our words reflect that we understand. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.